0: Hey, this is Pastor Arm, and I want to thank you for joining me today for the Activation Church podcast. We are here so that people can activate their life in Christ, and I believe this message is going to help you go further than ever before. Check it out. I want to take a moment and welcome everybody who's watching us online today. Can you put your hands together and welcome them? Thank you so much for joining us at Activation Church. If you're ever in the area, we want you to come be a part of one of our services at 9.30 or 11 o'clock. And of course, our Christmas Eve service, we got two options for you at 4 o'clock and 5.30 p.m. We hope that you can make it. And if you'd like to give something to our church, you can do that by going to activationchurch.com. Last week, we started talking about a man named Jehoshaphat found in 2 Chronicles, the 20th chapter. He's the king of Judah, and he's come to a place in his life where he is, uh, he's is he got a crisis. He doesn't know what to do about it. He's got several armies that are going to come. They're wanting to destroy him. They're wanting him to wipe him out. And Jehoshaphat is just like, I don't know how to handle this situation. Have you ever been there in life? You, you face something that you just don't have the answer for? I mean, if everybody's honest, there would be something, maybe in business you faced a dilemma that you don't know how to resolve or with your family, your family's going through a crisis and as much as you want to help, as much as you want to fix it, you just simply don't know what to do. Maybe your marriage is on the rocks and you don't have the answers. You can put it in the blank. Everybody in here has something that they have gone through or maybe you're going through something currently and you're like Jehoshaphat, you're saying, God, I don't know what to do about this. And that's Jehoshaphat. As soon as the crisis comes, he turns to God and he begins to pray. He begins to worship and honor God. And then at the end of his prayer, he says something so powerful that stuck out to me. He said this. He said, God, we don't know what to do. In in other words, we don't know how to fix this. We don't know how to handle this kind of pressure, but our eyes are on you. We don't know what to do. It's beyond my ability to to correct this or fix it, but our eyes are on you, and what we learned is when we don't know what to do, we have to know where to look. I want to say that again, because you're going to have times in your life where you do not know what to do, and you have to know where to look. Psalm 121 says, my eyes look to the hills. From where does my help come from? He says, my help comes from the Lord who is the maker of heaven and earth. And I want you to let that set, it, set into your, your heart this morning that the one who is helping you, the one that is with you, the one that will never leave you nor forsake you is the same one that spoke the entire universe into existence. And that gives me great comfort knowing that if God can control the universe, he can handle the situation that I'm in. Hello, somebody. If God can control a vast universe that is so big that we can't even explore it, with all of our science and technology, we can't can't even fathom how big the universe is. Did you know there are parts of the sea that we've never been able to explore because the depths are so great? And the one who said, let it be, is the one who is with you. And if you know where to look, (laughs) you know where you can get some help. So when I don't know what to do, I've got to know where to look. But here's the catch, and here's what I want us to dive into today, and here's the beautiful news. When you know where to look, he will show you what to do. So there's times I don't, I don't know what's going on. I don't know how to fix it. So I fix my eyes on him. I go to him. I honor him. I worship him. I praise him. And through doing that, he begins to show me things that I could not see on my own. The Bible says in Proverbs, the third chapter, verse five and six, it says, trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Then it says something powerful. It says, lean not to your own understanding. That means you may not have the answer. You may not have the solution. You may not know what's going on, but we don't lean to our understanding. We don't live according to our feelings. We don't live according to what we see in the natural. We walk by faith. And he says, if you'll not lean to your understanding, if you, if you won't shift your focus off of me, but in everything, in all your ways, acknowledge me. That means I come to him when I'm in, in, in these times of, of good times or bad times. I've got a lifestyle of coming to him and keeping my eyes on him. He says, what I'll do is I'll make your path straight. The Bible says in Psalm, the 37th chapter, it says, it says the good man or the righteous man, the Lord orders his steps directs you step by step by step by step. You know, it'd be great if God would kind of show us the overall project all at once, but he doesn't. A lot of times he'll give us a vision for where he's taking us, but how we're going to get there, we have to learn step by step by step. He tells Abraham, he says, I want you to go into a land that I will show you. You, You've never been there before, but I'll show you when when you make a move and as you step he directs as you step he directs what it does is it teaches us to trust him it trusts us, it teaches us how to lean on him instead of our understanding because if we could do it on our own if we knew how to figure it all out on our own we wouldn't need god so god allows these times in our life to where we get frustrated and we go i don't know what to do and he goes good trust me acknowledge me Lean into me, I'll direct your path. I'll make your path straight. You don't have to figure it all out. I got it under control. The other day we went to uh, Whitewater with the kids to take them to see the Christmas lights, which are phenomenal by the way. Scott, when I was looking at him, I was thinking, man, we gotta get some of this kind of technology in our church. It was so cool. But when I got there, I'd never done the Whitewater Christmas lights, so I didn't know what was going on. I didn't really know what to expect. But as I showed up, somebody just directed me into a lane. And they said, just stay in your lane. They didn't give me a map of where I was going. They didn't give me all of these instructions. All they said is stay in your lane. And as I stayed in that lane and I focused on the lights, I got where I needed to be. Are you you see, that's, that's how the will of God for your life works. You don't have to know it all. If you'll just keep your eyes fixed on him step by step, He'll get you where you need to be. That's what we're going to see play out in Jehoshaphat's life as we pick up today in 2 Corinthians, I'm not Corinthians, 2 Chronicles, the 20th chapter, verse 15. Go there with me if you have a Bible. And you 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 need to stay tuned in today because there's going to be a lot of stuff that you need to hear. It's going to be very good for you. The Bible says in the 15th verse. So after Jehoshaphat has sought the Lord, after Jehoshaphat has prayed, God responds and he said, listen all Judah and inhabitants of Jerusalem and King Jehoshaphat. Thus says the Lord to you, do not be afraid and do not be dismayed at this great horde. For the battle is not yours, but God's. The fight you are in is not your Fight. I love that. He says, Tomorrow go down against them. Behold, they will come up by the ascent of Ziz. You will find them at the end of the valley, east of the wilderness of Jeruel. You will not need to fight this battle. Stand firm, hold your position. And see the salvation of the Lord on your behalf in other words this is not your fight but you've got to show up there's some battles that are coming for you that you have to show up for and you'll have to stand your ground but you're not gonna have to fight them because as soon as the enemy gets there God's gonna take control he's gonna fight on your behalf because he loves you and he is for you so we go to these battles with confidence We go to these battles, trusting God. We go into these moments where we don't know what to do, just believing that God is with us and we stand our ground. And then he says, tomorrow, go out against them and the Lord will be with you. So there's the instructions right there. I don't know what to do. So I'm looking to you, God. God says, okay, here's what you do. Stand firm, hold your position and see the salvation. Now, I want to go down to the 20th verse of that same chapter, and I want to show you the outcome of this story so that we have a foundation to go from. And they rose early in the morning and went out into the wilderness of Tekoa. And when they had went out, Jehoshaphat stood and said, hear me, Judah and inhabitants of Jerusalem, believe in the Lord your God and you will be established. Believe in his prophets and you will succeed. And when he had taken counsel with the people, he appointed those who were were to sing to the Lord and praise him in holy attire. And as they went before the army and say, give thanks to the Lord for his steadfast love endures forever. And when they began to praise and sing, now watch this. When they began to praise and sing, the Lord set an ambush against the men of Ammon, Moab and Mount Seir. So all the enemies God is taking care of them who had come against Judah so that they were routed for the men of Ammon and Moab rose against the inhabitants of Mount Seir, devoting them to destruction and when they had made an end of the inhabitants of Seir, I love this, once they finish off the other two armies watch what happens. They all help to destroy one another. Are you getting that? These three armies that have come against Judah start fighting each other and once they've destroyed the Other armies, they start destroying themselves. And when Judah came to the watchtower of the wilderness, they looked toward the horde, and behold, there were dead bodies lying on the ground. None had escaped. No enemy had escaped. When Jehoshaphat and his people came to take their spoil, they found among them in great numbers goods, clothing, and precious things which they took for themselves until they could carry no more. I just want to drop this little... uh, bit of wisdom here a lot of times we want the spoil without a war but sometimes God allows us to go through the war so that we can enjoy the spoil so when I come to things in life it's very important because your perspective is everything When I come to things in life, instead of looking at how bad the battle is, I need to set my eyes on the fact that God's with me and there's a spoil at the end. The fact that I am going through this means that God is working out something great for me, something greater than I could have ever thought, planned, or imagined for myself. I may have to go through some, some, some situations to get there, but I know that I am going to get there. That's a major theme throughout the entire Bible, that the God allows his children to go through certain things, but on the other end of it, there is great spoil. So it's all perspective. It's all about how you're looking at what you're going through. That's why some people will go through something and they'll live defeated. Other people go through immense amount of pressure, yet they've learned to find the spoil, and they continue to increase in life. They continue to accomplish and do greater and greater and greater because they've learned how to handle the battle or the challenge by keeping their eyes fixed on the God that they serve. So watch. They found in great numbers good goods, clothing, and precious things which they took for themselves until they could carry no more. They were three days in taking the spoil. So much that it took them three days to collect. Because the Bible says it was so much. On the fourth day they assembled in the valley of Baraka, which that word there in the original, Baraka means blessing. Somebody say blessing. Blessing. So, now they are in the valley of blessing. For there they blessed the Lord. Therefore, the name of this place has been called the Valley of Baraka to this day. So, here's the instructions. Stand firm, hold your position, and watch the Lord give you a great salvation. Watch the Lord fight your battle. Which sounds epic when you know the ending of the story. When you know that God is gonna show up and turn all of your enemies on one another and all of your pain and all of your fear and all of your worry is gonna be turned into a valley of blessing, that sounds like a great idea. I'll just stand there. I'll just hold my position. I won't back down, but when you're in the middle of it and God says something like stand, hold your position and just watch what I'll do, And you've got three armies coming against you. You've got problems from the left, the right. Everywhere you you look, you're surrounded by a problem. That seems ridiculous to me. I could understand if God was like, okay, here's the deal. Get some swords. Get some spears. Get some arrows. You're going to need a lot of them. I am the Lord your God, I'm gonna give you some AK-15s even though they're not been invented yet. I am the Lord your God, stand firm and sit in this tank and watch us explode, you know, like that sounds like some really good, like I can get behind that, like, because my mind can ration that out, okay, so we're gonna have the upper hand, although there's a lot of them, God's giving us the upper hand because of all this weapons and stuff that hadn't been created yet, you know, we're gonna have the atomic bomb. Like we're gonna, you know, that makes sense to me. But stand. Hold your position. I mean, let's be honest, that sounds like a terrible game plan. I mean, how many of you would follow me into war if there was an army out there so big that we couldn't count them? You said, okay, Pastor Arm, how are we going to handle this? We're going to walk outside and stand. (laughs) You'd be like, peace out, I'm going to another church. It seems ridiculous, right? But here's what we have to learn. Sometimes God will ask you to do things that don't make any sense. In the natural, it will make no sense at all. I mean, think about the story of Naaman. Naaman is a great man, commander of an army, but he's got this flesh-eating disease called leprosy. It's destroying his life. And so he hears about this prophet named Elisha. And he says, I'm gonna go see Elisha so that I can get healing in my body. So he goes to Elisha, and his expectation is that Elisha would just wave his hand over him or lay his hands on him, and he will be healed, but Elisha doesn't. Elisha says, you need to go down to the River Jordan. Well, first off, Elisha doesn't even go see him. He sends a servant to tell him, which really deals, you know, Naaman thinks he's a somebody and you're not even going to come out and see me? So Naaman gets mad at this. He says, I'm out of here. I'm not going to go dip in that filthy river Jordan. I mean, who does this guy think he is? Couldn't even just wave his hand over me or say a great prayer and, and heal me so I could get back to business? And his servant says to him, like, like man, you ought, you ought to just try this thing. And it didn't make any sense. But as soon as Naaman got in the river and he dipped seven times, he came back up. And the Bible said he was made whole. But here's the phenomenal thing about the story, and here's what I see. God was dealing with something greater than leprosy. He was dealing with some pride in Naaman's life. And so sometimes, sometimes the instructions we receive aren't even about the issue we think it's about. Sometimes the instructions we receive are about God dealing with something in our life that we're not even aware of. Like you need to go down and dip in this river that you don't want to dip in because there's some pride built up in your life. And I'm going to show you that you think you're a somebody, that you think you got it all together, but you really need me. And you're going to humble yourself before me in, in order to see my mighty hand. Are you seeing that? So sometimes God takes us through something and the instructions we receive is to deal with an issue that we're not even aware of. An issue that is greater than leprosy. Because I can die of a skin-eating disease and step into heaven. But if there is unresolved, unforgiven sin in my life that I have not turned to Jesus and said, Jesus, you're a Savior, I need forgiveness, then that sin will take me into eternal punishment. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So it is a greater thing for God to give me an instruction to follow that's going to work out the thing that's more harmful in my life. And as a result of his humble obedience, he receives a blessing. Sometimes the instructions that we receive that make no sense is God seeing how far we are willing to go to follow him. Because it's easy on a Sunday morning when you hear a message, you go, I will follow thee all the way. Yes, I will follow thee all the way. And then we receive the instruction to go, not that way, Lord. <laughs> anyway, but that way. Think about Peter. Jesus shows up one day, steps into Peter's boat says, Peter, I'm going to use your boat to preach the gospel. Now, Peter had been up all night fishing. He's tired. All he wants to do is go home, probably eat some breakfast, and go to sleep. To make matters worse, he'd fished all night and he'd not caught anything. So Jesus gets on his boat. And how many of you know Jesus tended to be long-winded when he spoke? You know, I've only got three years here on this earth. I've got a lot of stuff to release. So listen up. We're going to be here for a while. So Peter, after giving Jesus his boat... Jesus says, okay now, Peter, what I want you to do is I want you to cast out into the sea, take your boat out, and I want you to throw your nets into the water. What does Peter say? I've already done this. I've already fished all night, and I've not caught anything. It doesn't make sense. I'm a fisherman. I know when to fish. I know where to fish. This is not the time of the day. We already know that there's nothing there abiding. This is a waste of time. That's what it seems like in the natural, right? Then he says, but nevertheless, at your word, I will do it. And as soon as Peter does what Jesus told him to do, he receives so many fish that their boat can't even handle it. They have to call their partner boat in to come and help them get the great catch. And what Jesus is teaching Peter is he's teaching him that if you can't trust me with some fish in the sea, then I can never trust you to fish for men are you seeing this it's something greater that he's wanting to work out in his life and the instruction made no sense but because he listened to the instruction not only was he financially blessed not only was his business taken care of but jesus said now i'm going to show you your real purpose i'm going to show you who you really are what if peter would have walked away what if peter would have said peace out i'm going home i'm tired completely different story right So sometimes God asks us to do things that doesn't make sense. Loving your enemy makes no sense. Forgiving those who have done you wrong makes no sense, yet God is trying to show us that our forgiveness that we receive is based upon the forgiveness that we release to others. Here's a big one, tithing. You know how much sense that makes? In the natural, zero. God says 10% of everything that you get belongs to me. Return it to me, it's holy unto me. Honor me with your wealth and the first fruits of all your increase. Then God says, here's what I'll do. I'll open up the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing upon you can't contain. I'll rebuke the devourer for your sake. Well, what happens is it, because it doesn't make sense, because it goes against everything that we naturally know, we reject that. And just like Peter, if he would have walked away from what Jesus instructed him to do, then you're also walking away from the blessing. Are you seeing that? Sometimes we forfeit the blessing that God is trying to release into our life because we're not willing to follow the instructions. I want to say that again. I'm going to say it real slow. Sometimes we forfeit the blessing that God is trying to get into our life because we're not willing to to follow the instructions. I know a guy that back in 1977, he was 60 years old. He was in poor health. He had had several heart attacks. Financially, he was broke, didn't have anything. 60 years old, God speaks to him and says, I want you to plant a church in South Florida. And he immediately begins to give God all of the excuses of why he can't do it. God, I'm too old. I don't have the energy. I don't have the health. I don't have the finances. I don't have what it takes. Gives God all these excuses. And then he says to God, why don't you find someone else? Listen to that. Why don't you find someone else? And God's response to him just like floors me. God says, I've already asked several other people to do it. And they said no. And so the man at six years old, poor health, no money, says, I'll do it, God. And now, today, in Margate, Florida, stands a church that is reaching the world because that man said yes. But think about all those that forfeited the blessing because they said no. This man who had no health regained his strength. This man who had no money, God showed him how to walk in favor and blessing and provision. Super blessed, great ministry. Reaching all over the world because he said yes when others said no. Sometimes we forfeit the blessing because we're not willing to follow the instructions. The instructions you follow. Now this is important. The instructions you follow will determine the future you create. The instructions you follow will determine the future you create create. In other words, you can't just do things the way you want to do them. Jehoshaphat couldn't just go, okay, God said he's with us, let's run in there with our swords and our ammo and take this army out. They would have died. Because that was not the instructions. When God gives instructions, he's very specific on this is how I want you to do it. And it's not up to how you feel about it. It's not up to even what you want to do about it. It's all based upon following the instructions. We're, we're in Christmas time right now. How many of you, like, you've gotten gifts before that you have to put together? Isn't that the worst? I've, I've pleaded with my family. Please stop buying stuff that you have to put together. You know why? Because I'm not good at putting things together. When my wife was in college, she lived in an apartment, and she bought this TV stand from Walmart, and she brought it back to her apartment, and I guess because her father builds houses, she thought that her boyfriend could put together a TV stand. And what am I supposed to say? No, I don't know how. So I said, hand me that fork and knife. We'll get this thing done. (laughs) I start putting together this TV stand, and I, like, totally just destroy it. I mean, I could have possibly turned it into something else. I don't know, but it wouldn't have been a TV stand. I messed it up so bad. I messed it up so bad that I had to go back to Walmart that night and buy a whole new stand, bring it back to the apartment. And when I opened the box and started taking stuff out, I was blown away. You're not going to believe it. I looked down there. Guys, this is, this is true. It's not a myth. I've seen it. I looked down, in the, and there was this white paper. It said instructions. They even had it in multiple languages. I was like, this is great. And by following the step-by-step instructions, I was able to create what needed to be created. When I tried to do it on my own and just figure it out, it didn't turn out really well for me. See, the Bible says in Psalm 119, verse 105, it says, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Think about that. Your word is a lamp to my feet, a light to my path. What does that mean? Your word is the instruction manual that shows me what I need to do. I'm not just trying to figure out life on my own and the instructions I follow will determine the future I create. Hear what I'm saying? The word of God is full of promises. But there are principles within the word that we have to be obedient to in, in, in order to walk in the blessing. It doesn't matter, and please hear me, it doesn't matter how many scriptures you memorize. It doesn't matter how many scriptures you quote. It doesn't matter about how many scriptures you talk about with your friends. It doesn't even matter if you get on Facebook and put together a video of you teaching on a certain scripture. Which, you know, side note. When I know that someone's not walking in a principle in their life and they're teaching it on Facebook, I just go like, oh, come on. But anyway, that's a side note. None of that matters. If you're not putting the principle into practice, you will not receive the blessing. What does James say in the first chapter, verse 22? He says, you need to be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves in other words if all you're doing is hearing the word and not doing anything with it you're deceiving yourself you think that you're going to walk in the promises of god you think you're going to walk in the favor and the blessing of god but you are deceiving yourself jesus says you want to know the difference between a foolish man and a wise man a foolish man hears my word but does nothing with it a wise man and but when the wise man hears the word he starts applying it into his life that's the difference between walking in the blessing and provision of god and not See, there are a lot of people that I know, they go to church, they study the Bible, they go to Bible studies, they do all this stuff, yet they still live in a certain place without the blessing and favor of God. And it's because they're trying to do it on their own, not following the simple instructions that God has already given us. And as Christians, our main objective should be to watch Him, to listen to what He's saying, and then to obey His voice. That's actually what it means to be a Christian. See, Jesus is both Savior and Lord. And he has to be both. He doesn't just save us from our sins, but he becomes the Lord of our life, which means I'm gonna do things his way. I'm going to do business the way that he instructs me to do business. I'm gonna do marriage the way he instructs me to do marriage. I'm gonna do dating the way he instructs me to do dating. I'm gonna handle my finances the way he instructs me to handle my finances because it's no longer I who live, but it is Christ who lives in me. It's not my will, but it's his will be done. And it is that lifestyle of obedience that positions you for the favor and blessing of God in such a way that the Bible says that blessing will chase you down and overtake you. I don't have to pursue blessing or favor in my life. All I have to do is pursue Him and be obedient to Him and those things will chase me down and overtake me. And listen, this is important because we think that the the instructions of God are there to hinder us or keep us from fun and they're not. They're there to enhance our life. They are there to better Our life God is saying I've got a wonderful life planned for you but you've got to do it my way my instructions are there to benefit you and not to harm you I was thinking about this the other day because we've got a dog at our house and this dog lives in the house with us and then we've got a fenced-in yard that the dog can go out and just have fun and there's hills that can run and play and play with the ball I mean this dog has it made It eats when it wants to eat, it drinks when it wants to drink, it sleeps when it wants to sleep, but as soon as you open a door, that dog will take off and run, and I don't know what she thinks is out there. The fence that we have is not there to hinder her life. See, we understand this. It's not there to hinder her life, it's to make her life better kids, with your parents, the the things that they try to place in your life, the rules that they have around the house, it's not to strip you of your joy. It's because they've gone through some things. They understand some things and they're trying to keep you from going down the same path that they've gone down. The path that's caused hurt and heartache, the bad decisions. I mean, I remember times my dad was like, son, I'm telling you, if you go and do this, this is what's going to happen. I've been there. I've done that. He said, now do what you want, but here's the ramifications of it. And I am thankful that I had a dad that was open and honest with me and say, here's the path you're going on, and it's going to be very bad. I could have fought against him and be like, well, he doesn't know what he's talking about. But because I listened, because I learned to listen, I benefited from that. So the things that God puts in place, they're not to harm us. They're not to steal from us. They're to enhance us. He's saying, I know what is best for you. I mean, when he created man and woman, placed him in the garden, he had the best life there. I mean, think about it. All the food you could eat, they're running around naked and no one cared. I mean, that sounds like a pretty good life. Yet they thought, oh, well, we can do it better. How did that end up for them? How did that end up for us, them thinking they could do life better? See, some of you, the position you're in right now and the circumstances you're facing is because you thought you could do it better. Some of the things that you've had to walk through in life is because you thought you could do it better. And God is saying, hey, I've got some grace for you so we can deal with that, we can forgive all that. And if you'll just look to me and you'll follow me and have a relationship with me and trust me, I can start working things to your good. But the instructions you follow will determine the future you create. Joshua 1.8, God tells the people, he says, I want you to meditate on my law. Is it up there? It says this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. You shall meditate on it day and night. Why? Look at that. Why Why does he want you to be talking about his word and thinking about it? So that you'll be careful to do according to all that is written in it. Now watch this. For then you. Who? You. You Will make your way prosperous. And then you. You we'll have good success. God's saying, it's in your hand. I've created you to prosper and succeed. I've created you to be the head and not the tail. I've created you to be above and not beneath. I've created you to advance and never go backwards, to increase and never decrease. That's what I've designed for you. But it's all based upon the instructions you follow. Some of you in here are sitting on a gold mine of God's goodness, and you're not even aware of it because you've decided or you thought, I'll do it my own way others in here you've given to God you've trusted God you've served God and watch what he's going to do he's going to bless you in a way that you never thought possible because it's impossible to follow the principle of God and not receive the promise Jehoshaphat listens to the voice of the Lord they do what he says they show up to the battle they stand there And instead of drawing their swords, they just start singing worship and praise to God. God destroys the enemy, and he turns the valley of pain into a valley of blessing. How many of you believe that God can do that for you and for your life and for your family? That he can take all the stuff, all the junk, all the battles, and turn it into a valley of blessing? I believe that God can do that. I believe that God wants to bless you. I believe that God wants you to succeed. I believe that God wants you to prosper. Why? Because if he knows that he can trust you and whatever he gives to you, he can get through you. He knows that you can be a tool and an agent to build his kingdom and you'll lack no good thing. I promise you that. That's what the word says. You'll lack no good thing. I want to pray for everybody who's watching online today. And I hope that this really sinks in because the things that God instructs us to do is not for harm ever. It's not a bunch of laws. It's not a bunch of, oh, I got to do this. It's God saying, hey, I know what's best for you. I know what's best for a marriage. I know what's best for a relationship. I know what's best for business. I know what's best for this kind of thing. And if you'll do these things, it will actually be a benefit to you. So today I'm asking you to make the decision that I'm going to start to do things God's way. Does that mean I'm always going to get it right? No. And thank God for his grace and mercy and forgiveness. Amen. Because we all mess up. But his grace says it's okay. Get back on track. Just like the prodigal son who thought he could have a better life on his own. He leaves his dad's house and while he's out there he realizes, you know what? Everything I needed was back home. And when he shows up, dad says, come on in. You're my son. You belong here. And you belong in the family of God. And the first thing I would encourage you to do, if you've never asked Jesus to come into your heart or your life, do that now. Say, Jesus, come into my heart. Come into my life. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. Forgive me of all my sins. Father, we pray for every person watching. We ask that you would move in a mighty and a powerful way. We ask that you would touch them, bring peace, joy, strength, healing. God, whatever their need is today, meet them right there. Lord, we declare that you are the solution for every problem. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.